Hi, and welcome to Conversation with the Chef. I'm Joe Ritty, and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. Today's chat is with Michael Bakash at Bakash in South Yarra. I always wanted Conversation with the Chef to be about real conversations, talking to people who love what they do and allowing the conversation to go where it will. I spoke to Michael a few weeks ago on the eve of reopening his long-running and highly acclaimed restaurant after lockdown. And I absolutely appreciated his candor and his undeniable passion for seafood and for getting it right. Michael does not mince his words and shared some interesting perspectives into the Melbourne hospitality world. And why shouldn't he? He's been part of it for decades and has a loyal following. When you hear the way Michael talks about the fish he prepares, it's no wonder. I've been thinking ever since that conversation about eating the lush big scallops he told me about and whatever white fish is the one on the menu that day, prepared and cooked with respect by Michael. Joe, let's go. Great. We're on. Excellent. Thank you. What have I dragged you away from? Um, disconnecting a char grill and putting the kitchen back together. Yeah, wow. Because um, how long has it been since you were last open? Oh, well, we're doing takeaway. Mm. We're doing fish and chips, and that's been really busy. Mm. Um, but we haven't traded since the 9th of July. As a restaurant, we haven't traded. So long, isn't it? And then just getting everything going again. Um, so yeah. I had your fish and chips in the park opposite um, by the Botanic Gardens, and they were so yep. amazing. They were the best fish and chips I've had for years and years and years, probably since New Zealand, which is high praise. <laughs> yeah, well, New Zealanders think they know about fish, don't they? <laughs> we do, we do. Um, yeah. Now, you and Fiona have had um, the cash for... 20 years, that's huge, yeah. it's significant, um, to have the to have the same place and to still be so successful, I've just been reading all the reviews where people just say <clears throat> it's the best seafood and um, that you absolutely know what you're doing with seafood and fish, so that's, um, I mean that's great in a town like Melbourne where everyone goes from one thing to the next, especially these days, that you have maintained such a an incredible reputation. In fact, I was talking to a friend earlier and he said that when he was a, a child, Toofies was his favourite restaurant. So you've got fans that go way back. <laughs> there, there, there's nothing magical about what we do with fish, but I've been fishing since I was a kid. I've been filleting fish, catching flathead, garfish, whiting, snapper. I mean, I just know fish really well. Mm. Um, and, and I never actually got into this to be a chef. It's not, it's not what I wanted. I just wanted to own a restaurant. And then I decided to, when I, when I finished school, I decided that I wanted to do hotel management because I wanted to run a restaurant. Mm. And I'm not really sure why. <laughs> um, because my, my family was in hospitality. Mm. Um, my personality trait is that I'm a, theoretically, I'm a pleaser. So, um, you know, I just like to make, you know, do do nice food and do professional food, mm. and then with the, with what I know about fish, it just, you know. So I wanted to do hotel management, but I had to do a year in the trade. So I thought I'll do an apprenticeship, and I started my apprenticeship uh, with Bill Marchetti, who was at, later on at the Latin. Do you, do you know who Bill Marchetti is? I don't. I'm afraid. Sorry. It's my well, I mean, if if the, the Latin 
the Latin was one of the best restaurants in Melbourne in probably the 1990s. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but I started my apprenticeship with him when he was in a restaurant in um, Collingwood. It was called Louis. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a Thai restaurant now. It's just being pulled down to put up some flats. Wow. So um, I didn't didn't really know that I wanted to be a chef. Done it, but you start your apprenticeship and you don't really know what you're doing and then all of a sudden you taste something you get attracted to or you get, you know, you you finally understand coriander or you understand how beautiful a tomato can be or you taste just something that's just delicious and that, that happens at the same time that you get off on the buzz of a busy service. Yeah. And the combination of those things, if that, if that grabs you, before you work out that being a chef is too hard, <laughs> then you're you're trapped for, for life. Yes. Um, but but I've never really um, been the kind of person who wants to stamp myself all over a plate of food. I actually want to, whilst producing as much food as I possibly can to make a profit. I, I actually want to eradicate mistakes from what I'm doing because for me, good food is mistake, mistakeless food, not striving to do the amazing because food, food to me is just not amazing. Food to me is not amazing. I don't understand how people are amazed at food. I don't understand why chefs want to do stuff with food that people go, wow. Mm. It it should just be beautiful. Yes. Yes. So, you know, I, I don't understand cooking potatoes in soil. I don't understand <laughs> giving people mouthfuls of food that are so small and then you've got to wait 25 minutes for the ne next mouthful of food that's completely different and all it does is try to show off to the customer theoretically how brilliant the chef is mm. i mean that's just that's just wanksville to me yes i, I hear you <laughs> um i guess what you're saying is you consistently offer up excellent beautiful food and that's what hospitality is about isn't it providing a lovely venue and delicious food and making people feel good about being there well, yeah, and, and skinning a snapper and seeing the bloodlines bright red and knowing that there's not too much that's gone wrong from that fish from the moment that it's come out of the water mm. till the moment it's landed at the restaurant and showing it respect and stacking it neatly in the tray and making sure that it's covered in between services and making sure that everything possible is done to that fish, you know, but, but being, keeping a commercial mind as well. But everything possible is done to respect what that fish actually was and what it's this is gonna sound crazy, but what it's died for. Right. You know, I bought I look bought a live cray I distinctly remember buying a live crayfish. I mean I've bought lots of crayfish, but 
it got delivered to me once for, at, at Toofies from a supplier and it had been dropped and the poor fucking thing, it's, you know, its legs were broken, its shell was cracked, blah, 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 and the delivery guy gave it to me, I opened the box and I looked at it and I couldn't believe the terrible condition it was in. I took it out of the box, I smashed it as hard as I could with a hammer to put it out of its misery mm. and I gave it back to the, suppl- to, the, to the driver and then I rang up the supplier and I said, what a shame that poor things died in such an ignorant. I can't remember what I said, but it was like it, it died for nothing. Yeah. So, you know, just fish, fish when it comes out of the water is just filleted or whole. It's just beautiful. Yes. It's yeah. just, it's just really beautiful stuff. So. For, for, for the only time it's bad is when it's been badly looked after, you've kept it for too long, all sorts of stuff. But fish is beautiful. Oh, absolutely. And nowadays it can be so tricky in lots of restaurants where they're doing um, mini dishes and fish amongst them and they don't have time to train people to fill it and they're getting them in already filleted. That must, um, that must affect flavour and experience as well. Uh, especially because the worst thing that you can do to a piece of fish is wet it after you've filleted it. Mm. And, 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 and it's just impossible not to do that. You know, fish mong- it's impossible for fishmongers to dry fillet fish. Yeah. They, they, just don't, they just don't have time and it just begins the ageing process. You know, it's, I, I always used to do this thing in the kitchen where, you know, I... I, I I get a whiteboard marker and I keep trying to tell the staff, keep the fish, keep it cold, keep it cold, keep it cold. You know, keep the fish cold, look after it. So I, I do, I draw a one on the bench and then I draw a two and then I draw a four and then I draw an eight and then I do a 16 and then I do a 32. And it's like when the fish comes out of the water, it's got no bacteria on it whatsoever. The moment you cut it, it's got one, you leave it out of the fridge maybe for a bit longer. I mean, the, the bacteria is grow. you know, you put it on a slightly dirty chopping board, it picks up more, you put it in a tray that's not as clean as it should be, you don't cover it, you've got dirty hands, your knife's not clean. I mean, all these different things are the difference between zero bacteria and however many bacteria it's got when it goes in the fridge. So... The animal is completely intact when its skin is covering the flesh. The stomach lining is protecting the flesh from the acid and everything in the stomach. It's it's pristine mm. because that's why it's alive. And as soon as you cut it, you break that level of perfection and then bacteria gets into the flesh. Now, you process it and put it into the fridge. It, the, the bacteria is going to multiply. But it's just a matter of whether or not it's multiplying from one or two or four or eight or whether it's starting to multiply from 26,000 or or one million. Do you know what I mean? And that's the difference between fish lasting a long time and fish lasting just a few days in the fridge. It's it's what happens to it in between it dying and the flesh coming off the bone and it being exposed to the world that it wasn't designed to be exposed to mm. and, and how long you keep it under, under those circumstances. So it's, it's – oh, I'm, I'm raving. It's a bit, it's a bit <laughs> of mathematics. Yeah. 
which, which a lot of people don't think of, but it's like don't fillet a piece of fish and then move it from one part of the, you know, one part of your chopping board to the other part of the chopping board. Fillet it and put it in a stainless steel tray. Because mm. no matter how clean your chopping board is, it's going to be dirtier than a stainless steel tray. Right. So, so, so it's just this... It's just this love and understanding of what fish should be, mm. and I don't want to. I mean, I've got to run, I've got to run a business, and unfortunately, fish is wild caught, and sometimes it's not as fresh as you'd like it to be, and it's not a perfect world, and it gets handled differently, and there's all sorts of things. But ultimately, we are trying to look after our fish as best we can, mm. and let it speak for itself. Yeah, beautiful. Now you've just spoken with a great deal of passion about about that, and um, and you were talking before about you know the thrill of of service and being in the kitchen, and then um, and then being then you're trapped for life. Does it feel like a trap, or do you still have the thrill of service? And you obviously have passion for the food you're preparing. Um, do you still I love, love? I it? love the I love the thrill of service, mm. but what I can't stand is. Um, the lack of respect. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm too old to be working in a kitchen. Yeah. Because the people that I work with are now not just one generation younger than me, or probably two generations younger than me. They're probably four generations. No, not four. They're probably three generations younger than me. And you know, you hear them talk about football players, coaches, old-time coaches can't work with young players anymore because they need to be treated differently than what they were treated when so so it's really it's really hard for me to have someone come into the kitchen and they say they've worked somewhere really good and i look at them and they can't even cut a fucking tomato if they cut a tomato into three wedges they're all different shapes if they cut a lemon into four wedges there's no consideration whatsoever for the shape or they, I mean, just knife skills have gone, knife skills and basic cooking skills have just gone out the door. Mm. And because you can learn so much on YouTube, <laughs> respect respect for knowledge or that the innate, innate knowledge is not, um, it's not understood. Mm. No, because I mean it's it to a lot of people it would just look like I'm just fucking cooking a piece of fish, mm. and, and on and on the surface I am just cooking a piece of fish, mm. but I've got a reputation with my fishmongers which which dictates what they send to me. It yeah. di- it dictates what goes back and what I complain about. It dictates what I ring them up and say, "Fuck, that's the best." I've seen for a long time. Mm. We just we just picked up scallops yesterday that have come from a different side of King Island to what they normally come from, and they are fucking amazing. Wow! And you know they're the, they're they're big, they're translucent, they're still in rigor mortis. Mm. We drive down to the processor and pick them ourselves. The guy thinks that if someone's going to drive from his restaurant in Melbourne to a processor in Moorabbin, 
to get to a scallop before they go to the fishmonger and get <laughs> whatever a fishmonger is going to do to them. Then he then he must be really careful. So they give me they give me the best ones as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So there's there's this whole there's this whole thing about what goes to making what we do here so good, mm. but it's it's most of it's so innate. Not innate what's the word? Most of it's so um, lived and breathed instead of teachable. That you know, you take me out of the equation, and it kind of falls apart. Right. Yeah, 20 years, word of mouth, people love what you do. Tell me a bit more about um, how you, I think it's um, wonderful to be able to work with your partner. So how do you and Fiona work together in the restaurant? Um, you, you were saying to me on a, a phone call that she's the creative side of things. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's much more interested in food and wine than I am. I'm just sort of more interested in production and eradicating mistakes so it's sort of like I'm I come in behind her and try and adapt what she wants to do to the commercial environment of a restaurant mm. um, but she I mean we do wine dinners here with some of the best winemakers in the world um, mm. and that sounds egotistical but it's it's the truth yeah. we've got a great reputation amongst you know, for not only for paying our bills quickly, but Fiona's got a really good palate and has got such a great relationship with all the wine people and she knows so much about wine. And our food, our food, because it's simple, really goes well with winemakers really like it to go with yeah. their wine when they're doing wine dinners because there's not, it, it's not like there's so many different flavours in the food that, it's hard to match it with wine. It's like that. There's one or two really fresh, really fresh flavors with the wine, mm. with the food, and so therefore it's easier to match, easier to match up with the wine. So we do really good wine dinners, mm. um, but a lot of the um, concepts for the food comes from Fiona now because she's. I, I suppose I'm so busy making it and putting it into production and mm. trying to teach people who don't know how to cut lemons how to cut lemons and sure. yeah. do it doing all that sort of stuff yeah um, well how wonderful may, what a great thing to be able to do that with your wife i think that's that's great uh, it, it represents its challenges believe me <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure i'm sure it does um but you know it, it is working and you're about to open so you're opening tomorrow is that yeah right yeah. Wonderful. Um, and I better let you get back and keep doing what you're doing. I can hear your staff in the background. I'm sure they need you. So. Um, no, no, no. We, we're closed at the moment. I'm sitting in the window of the restaurant with the window open and the cafes on either side have got people in them. So ah. you can't hear anything other than the fact oh, I'm that hearing. South Yarra has come to life. Wow, that's pretty good, though, to be hearing that. <laughs> How exciting. Yeah. And you're in such a beautiful position. And um. And in a few weeks, when I can get a seat, I am going to come in because um, I love fish, and I, I love. It sounds like I will love the way you do it, and I'm sorry I haven't been in before, um, but I will get there. <laughs> what did you have? What fish and chips did you have? Was it what fish did you have? 
Oh, I'm so sorry. It's actually my partner who went and bought it. I don't even know. Yeah. I did. It was just delicious. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, thanks Joe. Thanks, Michael, and all the best for tomorrow and um, on ensuing weeks. And um, I'll see you in your, in your restaurant one day soon. <laughs> thanks very much. Thanks, Michael. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty, and thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to read the full transcript of the conversation, you can go to www.conversationwithachef.com or follow me on Instagram so you'll always be up to date with the latest conversation.